Well, good morning, everybody. We're so glad you're here. Like Allie mentioned, it is a, a new day that we, we've sung, and we're thankful for the Lord's uh, mercy. Uh, just a couple caveats to those events that Allie just mentioned. If you are a man, your sweater has to be ugly. But if you're a woman, bring a cute ornament, okay? So that, that's just, you guys, with, you're awake? Is that, I thought that was funnier than you just told, thank you. So yeah, if it's a cute sweater, you can't come. But if it's ugly, you can. If, you know what, guys, let's just start. Um, good night. We are, we are here at Ridgeview, and we are in our, what time service is this, 1030? Is that right? Okay. <laughs> and uh, I just wanted to make uh, just a comment uh, also about uh, just where we've been over the last six weeks. As a church, if you're new to Ridgeview, uh, we've been one service for about four years, and then in the beginning of October, we started a second service, and we have a service now at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m., and this is probably... Uh, the biggest shift and change that we have made as a church. Uh, as an organization, to add a service, it takes a tremendous amount of communication, coordination, work. And uh, we've had so many people who have stepped up and have carried a heavy load for us to expand to be able to include uh, more people. Uh, through that, we've also seen time and time again, just like God has done in this time, uh, God has really come through. And anytime that you make a change on the front end, you do so in faith. And faith a lot of times means there's a little bit of fog and you can't quite see how everything is gonna work out. And as a church, we're still in the fog of, this is still new to us to have two services, but I just wanted to publicly thank God for the way that, ways that he has provided. Uh, in our team, the, the people that he's brought at just the right time, we've had volunteers step up and then we've had new volunteers just since the launch um, who have stepped up. And so thank you to, to all of you who've carried a heavier load. Thank you to those who are new to serving. And uh, if you're interested in serving, we're still looking uh, for more help as we continue to expand. And so if you're interested, uh, you can come by the Next Step table. And the E is about engaging in ministry, specifically how you can engage uh, to volunteer at Ridgeview. And so if you're not volunteering, no pressure, but we'd love for you to be a part of the team. And so let's just give a hand to our volunteers and more importantly to, to God. I'm, I'm very grateful for just how he's come through uh, obviously throughout our whole history, but specifically in the last six weeks that we've made this major change. Uh, we're continuing on a series today called Pressure Points, talking about how God helps us and meets us in the middle of the pressure uh, that we face. I know um, a lot of you personally, I talk to you regularly, and I know that there's a lot of pressure that you're facing in your life. I know in my own life, there's pressure. Pressure is those hard things, those things that uh, maybe we're experiencing because of bad choices we've made. Maybe there's things that we're experiencing externally from others. Maybe they're just a hard season. It could be sickness. It could be circumstances. But it's those areas in life and those times in life where we just feel like we're getting squeezed a little bit. And the scriptures actually tell us that it's in those times when you're getting squeezed, it's in the pressure, that there's a tremendous amount of learning for us. That actually, as we approach God and as we ask questions, as we seek him, in the middle of the hard things, there's actually things that we can learn more in those pressure points than we can learn when everything's going smoothly. I don't know how that works, but there's a sense of like when pressure gets built, we're actually willing to receive help more. We're, receive, we're, we're willing to allow God to speak to us a little bit. Maybe our ears are a little bit more open. And so today the focus is on when you're challenged to act, the idea of how can God's word continue to help us when we feel stuck? How can God's word help us and speak to exactly 
of what we need to hear. And so today we're talking from God's word about God's word, specifically as it relates to authority. Authority is somebody that says something or something that you receive that gives you kind of a course of action or an idea and you decide like, can I trust this or not? The more authority something has in your life, the more that you trust it, the more you take it for what it's worth and apply it and live it out. Well, God's word, if you're a Christ follower, is supposed to be that type of authority, the type of authority that that you build your life on. It's a foundational authority. It's the truth to which everything stacks up against it. That's God's word. It's like this measuring stick of right and wrong, of go and stop, of which way to turn and which way to pivot. And it's very specific. But for us to talk about God's word as authority, we have to recognize that we all have authorities in our life that speaks to us. There's things in our life that we actually stack up. Like we decide like this has influence, this has authority. And that's not entirely bad. But to every authority that we give and the more trust that we place in, sometimes that can lessen the amount of authority that we give to the scriptures. Uh, this happens in, in little things. Uh, if you've ever been lost, anyone, any man want to ever admit that you've been lost before? I get lost all the time. I put Google Maps on, but this is old school. Anyone remember one of those like classic? It was like so nostalgic in first service. I was like, oh, I remember. I remember that. Like it's a road trip. You always had a Thomas guide. Thomas guide, for those of you who are younger, is this is actually that one that's called paper. Those are made from trees. And um, it has maps and you could open it to any region and decide where you are and how to get from point A to point B. Very specific and help. This is before um, smartphones. This is before phones were even in your car. This is when phones were connected to a landline that were busy when you call. Okay, guys, all right. Old Man River over here. Uh, but here's our, our modern day version. Uh, this is like a pixelated pic, which is funny because even for me with Google Maps, sometimes I'm like, I'm trying to follow that route. And is that like a sharp left or a gradual left? And you still get lost. And then it's like, you're going the wrong way. Okay, I knew that now, but it still is frustrating. But, you know, if you want to know where to go, you use these things. If, if you're a parent, you're struggling where to get help, um, here's just a little smithering of, of podcasts that you could listen to. There's no shortage of it. I love this one on the top, Precious Little Sleep Parenting. That was put together by a new parent. They're like, you know, I'm not sleeping. I'm going to do a podcast about not sleeping as a parent. But if you are stuck and you need help, there's no shortage of places where it can give you information that could give you the help. So the question is, can it be trusted? I don't know. Depends what it is, right? Depends what it says. But again, we have to decide that. Um, if you need advice on a decision, so this is like full, you know, have you ever, honestly, like just be honest, have you ever Googled a decision? Ever? Like, should I do this or should I not do this? Have you ever just seen what Google says? Thanks. Some of you are willing to admit it. But Google is very powerful. And it tells you things like, They've searched from billions of information in 0.23 seconds, and they give you all the results. It's like, whoa, it's amazing. I asked, and, and they delivered. And then do you always click on the, the top one? How did it get to the top? Uh-oh. And are the Russians in China following? Okay, that's, that's another talk. But um, Google, you can access a database of information, but how much authority do you give it? Is it going to answer what you need? Is it, is it right? Is it wrong? And then even more personally, it's not up here anymore, but even more personally, if you go to the next one, um, what do you do when you, when you need help or you, you feel stuck? Now, 
we're not just dealing with like external pressures, but what do I do like if internally I, I'm in a really tough spot? Well, how do you find that help? How do you decide who you talk to? And then what they tell you, how do they, you decide how much authority they should have? Like, is it right? Is it accurate? Should you take their advice? Should you not? See, all of these are based on authority. How much authority you give something. The reason I bring this up is we often do this without even thinking. But what God's word wants to do through his scripture is to show us and to give us this authority that we can actually build our life on, the Bible. And all of us have to answer, with this book, with God's word, will we see this as a foundation? Will we see this as an authority that can actually speak to us? Is it living? Is it alive? Can it meet me where I am? Is it true? Is it half true? And all of us have to decide. So as we're digging in this series, we're going through the book of James, and James knows this, and God, more importantly, knows this about us, that we're always wondering the question like, can I do this? Is this real? Is this right? Can this be trusted? We ask that about everything, and we actually do that about God's word as well. Oftentimes, we question God's word the most when it's telling us to do something we don't what? want to do. But this authority question is very important because if you're unsure if God's word has authority in your life, you really need to investigate that. Because if you don't think God's word has authority, when God tells you to do something that you don't want to do, it'll be very easy for you to say, I don't want to do it. Because if it doesn't have authority, then you don't need to do what it says. But if it does, it's very words. God's truth can prevent you in some situations from life and death. It has that kind of authority So I want to just focus today on this main idea, and it's that God's word grows us through the pressure points of life. Uh, God grows us in three main ways, and I'm going to read the scriptures and then kind of break it down into like three parts. But in the pressures that you're facing, in the pressures that I'm facing, they could be, again, relational, some conflict. There's some, some tension in family, and this week's Thanksgiving. Are any of you already concerned about the family gathering that you're going to have? Like, let's be real, it already starts. If everyone just eats and doesn't say anything, it's gonna be a great time, right? But can God help us and can his word help us in those pressure points relationally? In decisions that you're making. I know some of you are, you're like in a fork in a road. Like, I don't know what to do with this decision. I could go right, I could go left, I could go straight. I don't know. Can God's word speak to you in that decision that you're facing? In your finances, can God's word speak to how you could deal with some of the pressure or some of the perspective that you have? Again, God's word is very specific. So can it speak to you and does it have authority to speak to you? That's the question. But God gives us his word and his truth and it's, be meant, to, it's meant to be applied in, in the pressures. And so I wanna start with just this main point and read a, like a scripture and then kind of connect it all together. The first thing that James tells us is for God to speak to you and for that authority to really kind of take place in your life, you have to approach God's word in humility. So God's word as authority, it begins with our attitude type of, of attitude that, that we should have. And he uses this picture, James, as how God's word needs to take root in you. It needs to take root in you and you need to do certain things so that it can grow. So you need to water it. God's word is in you and needs to take this root so that it can grow. But the focus is on the attitude that you have. And I think that's really important for us to start, like the, the attitude. So James 1, 19 through 21, it says, knowing this or know this, my beloved brother, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. We've talked about this relationally before at church, very helpful relationally. But in the context of this, it's actually talking about God's word. 
God wants to speak to you, and so you have to be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to, slow to anger. And then it describes our condition. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And so what James is saying is, listen, it's not just about a relationship where you need to be quick to hear people. It's actually about God's word, his authoritative, truthful word, which is given to you, that you actually need to decide, will I listen? Will I hear what God wants to say? Will I spend time to allow him to speak to me? And then when he does speak to me, how will I receive it? But it begins with this, this attitude. And before he describes the attitude, he describes a little bit of our heart. Now, God's word, again, it's specific. But God's word most times doesn't pull punches. It describes our condition, describes who we are. And in this passage, you actually see a little bit of our, of our heart. First, it talks about anger. All of us can struggle with anger at different times. It says like the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So the idea is when you're in pressure, it's very easy to get angry. You can get angry at God. Why did he let this happen? Why am I going through this? And you can get angry. And then he describes your heart, like put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Well, filthiness is just impure. The idea is in your heart and in my heart, we have impure motives. At best, we have mixed motives. But there's always a day in which we wake up and we have breath that we're always kind of weighing right or wrong, and most of the time we're going to err to the side of doing what we want, even if it's wrong, because we want what we want, and that's strong in us. We're very determined to get our own way, all of us. That's part of our sin problem. Each of us has this in our heart. And so James says that that's just filthiness. It's, it's, it's not pure. And then he goes further and describes our hearts as, as having rampant wickedness, and this is just abundant evil. He's not speaking specifically to one person that your evil deeds. He's saying the human condition is we have this evil in us. The reason I bring this up is most of the time when you read God's word and you wrestle with it and you soak it in, there's gonna be a part of you which does not wanna do it. In fact, you wanna do the opposite. That's normal. It's okay. You have to recognize that. Part of that is because in our hearts, all we're seeing as we hear the truth is blocked goals from what we want. And we want to reach our goals because we think that's going to make us happy. But God's word is saying, that, hey, there's a different way. But our hearts can kind of steer us away from God's way in, into our own. And so we have to be honest and humble with our condition that most of the time we, we like to go our own way on our own terms. And then he describes this humility that we need to have to receive with meekness the implanted word. That, that word meekness literally means humility or, or gentle. So as we read God's word, there's an attitude of, God, I want to receive the truth that you want to give me. The idea is as I'm reading God's word or as people are speaking God's word, as I'm hearing it, even like in a setting like this on a Sunday, have we prepared our hearts to hear what God wants to say? One of my prayers every Sunday for our church is, God, will you soften our hearts to hear what you want us to hear? We need God to soften our hearts. And James is describing this this gentleness, and then he describes the gentleness of the implanted word, and this is describing those who have committed their lives to Christ. When you commit your life to Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit, was God in you, which guides you, but you also get this truth, this truth now that's been revealed that you now can see. When you are not a Christian, when you're going your own way and you're in your sin, 
You're blind to God's ways in his word. He says, go right, and left makes sense. He says, go forward, and you say, shrink back. That's native to us. But when you decide to follow Christ and you surrender, you say, I want to do things your way, the truth now is in you. But the implanted word has to be grown, just like the seed that is described. And if you want to grow the implanted word that God's given you, his truth, you do so with humility. That's the water that allows the seed of the truth of God to grow in your life. Now, what would that mean to be humble as it relates to God's word? Well, I think it's related to a lot of ways that we would receive information from other people. Has anyone ever approached you and they say, I need to talk to you? And they have a look on their face and you think, you're the last person I want to talk to because you want to talk to me. Now you want to talk to me. I don't know if I want to hear what you have to say to me. Or have you ever had a relationship, maybe when you're younger and your parents talk to you and you just begin thinking like, I'm not listening to you. Young people, you can just look straight. Don't make eye contact with your parents right now because they'll sense that this is you, but you just, you're not listening and you don't want to hear what your parents have to say because it's like, you told me this before. You ever had that in your life? Well, there's always these people that we decide like, I don't want to listen to. I don't know if I can trust what they say. And before we know it, we can actually do that with God himself. We can approach his word like, I've heard it before. Or that doesn't fit. That's archaic. That can't match my life. That can't match the culture. That can't match my world. And we write it off. That's actually the opposite of humility. It's this arrogance. Like, we can't receive it. Like, it can't penetrate our hearts. And so James is saying, listen, you have to be willing to admit that you need guidance and you need help beyond yourself. And if it's beyond yourself, you can't find it within you. If you can't find it within you, you need God to give it to you, this revealed word, which he's done faithfully in his word. And he gives it to us freely. And so James says, if you want help in the pressure, if you want help in your life, it begins with this attitude, God, I'm willing to hear what you have to say. I wanna listen. I wanna receive it. That's this meekness. I wanna receive it. I'm not clenched. I don't have anything that I'm holding back. Like, I wanna wanna receive it. So whatever you're facing, I just wanna encourage you right now, begin with a prayer. God, I need your help. I wanna hear what you have to say. That's a simple prayer. God, I need your help. I wanna hear what you have to say. And then what God does, he will speak to you. And then you have to decide what you do with it. And that's the next part that James addresses. So first, we have to approach his word in humility, the attitude. Humility is the water that allows the seed of his word to grow. Number two, we need to set our hearts to hear and apply the Bible. So seed, the water is what? Humility. Now James changes the picture, a different analogy. Now he describes God's word as a mirror, which reflects who we are, James 1, through 25. And it says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. I'm gonna get to that verse in just a moment. But notice the emphasis here is on this idea of you're looking into a mirror, it's giving you this reflection And there's two different types of people. There's those who do God's word and there's those who just hear. And James is saying, if you're just a hearer, if you just think it's about learning 
and gaining facts about the scripture, you're like somebody who looks in a mirror. Now, have you ever done a mirror check? And some of you, you know, you have the little mirror in your purse. What's that called? Like, a, is that called a mirror? Compact? What is that? Is that a compact? Okay. On the fly here, I'm just figuring it out. And uh, it's very dangerous to talk about stuff like that when you don't know what you're saying. But so you, you, you have a mirror and you may look at it frequently. Men, you know, maybe we look in the mirror once a day. Hopefully you do. But if you ever look in a mirror and you kind of like smile and you're like, oh my goodness, I've got all sorts of stuff in my teeth. You ever had that happen? You guys like live perfect lives. Like, you know, I'm really happy for all of you. But have you ever done that and thought to yourself, how many people have I seen with that thing in my tooth that always seems to get just right there? And then you start counting all the friends that you have and the friends that you thought were friends but didn't tell you, right? So what James is saying is is, as ludicrous as that would be, it's like with your own eyes, you see a problem. You got something in your teeth and you just say, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. And you just walk away. Like it doesn't make any sense. It's ludicrous. You look in the mirror, you're going to fix something you see. That's what he's saying God's word is. God's word will reflect who you are and what you need to fix. But if you don't do it and you just think it's about listening and learning more and gaining more knowledge, you're just looking at all this stuff in your teeth and thinking, you know what? I look pretty good. I don't need to change. What James is saying is the degree of your maturity and the degree that you take God's word seriously is in what you do. If you want to know how much God has authority in your life, it's how much you do what he says. That's it. We spend so much time talking about belief in our culture. Like, I believe it. I believe it. But belief in scripture is always connected to action. It's not a feeling. It's not an idea. You don't just believe God's word just like you believe Google, or just like you believe your directions. No, if you believe God's word, it means I am getting it, I'm understanding it, and then I'm putting it into practice. That's how you actually fix the flaws that God shows you. The emphasis is always on the doing. In the church today, we all like deep. There's like this emphasis, like we want it to be deep, like deep teaching and deep Bible study, And so much time, I think we're focused on the depth of our knowledge that we fail to focus on the depth of our application. What James is saying is, listen, don't be deceived. You could learn a whole lot and your life is no different. And that's the challenge for all of us because what James says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Why? Deceiving yourselves. Deceiving yourself you don't know you're deceiving yourself. You think you're doing the right thing. You think you're focusing on the right thing. And what James is saying is, listen, if you're focusing on just learning but not living out the Christian faith, you are missing the mark more than you realize. Here at Ridgeview, this is why we emphasize our depth by what we do, by what we put into practice. If God is real and he has authority, it should change the way we live. It should change the way that we think. It should change our priorities. I don't know how many times in my life that I've had to wrestle with this. Am I gonna actually take God's word seriously? Am I gonna do what he says? Or can I find the loophole where his word doesn't apply in my situation? We can always do that. You can always find a way out to trust your authority over God's. But God's word speaks to us and we have to wrestle with what what do we do with that? So James is saying, listen, don't be like the person who reflect, who forgets what you look like. Take the reflection. Allow God to speak to you. 
and put it into practice. So I want to challenge you. Where has God spoken to you recently in your life? What is he telling you you need to do? Oftentimes, you hit a roadblock in your growth if you don't do what he's already told you to do. So what is it? What is it that, that you sense you need to do? What is it that you, you kind of, I need to make this change. I need to make this pivot. I need to maybe think differently and focus on that one thing. As you focus on that one thing, it's like your, 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 your mind and your heart now has space to learn more. If you don't put it in application, you're just getting full. And what the scripture says, you just puff up and it's just like you just get full of knowledge. It actually leads us to becoming arrogant people. We don't want to be an arrogant church. We don't want to be people that are just full of ideas that don't live it out. If you want to make space for more understanding, begin to put it into practice. And as you put it into practice, you'll learn more. So if you feel stuck, oftentimes think, is there something that God has told me recently that I'm not doing yet? And ask God for help for you to be able to do it. That's what James is saying. Set our hearts to hear and apply the Bible. And then there's this other picture from this, goes from the seed to water it with humility, and then this mirror that reflects who we are and what to do. And then in verse 25, this, this picture of God's word that provides the law that gives us freedom. Now, if you grew up in the church, you may have read God's word being young. You may be older and not a part of the church, and maybe God's word is something that you've learned more recently. But oftentimes when you see the picture of the Bible, most of the times it's not like, oh, great, freedom. It's more like, what is God gonna tell me or the church gonna tell me that I need to do that I'm not doing or that I'm doing that I gotta stop doing? right? It's so restrictive. It's a pain. It's like, who wants to do that? But what the scriptures are saying is it's the opposite. The law, God's word, the truth gives you freedom because of the grace found in Christ. The truth gives us freedom. It sets us free because we actually know which way is up, which way is down, which way is dark, which way is light. In a time where everyone says, do your own thing, the scriptures say, don't do that. In a time where it says, it doesn't matter. You choose your own life. You choose your own lifestyle. You choose your own right. You choose your own wrong. You define everything yourself. The scripture is saying, no, that's not true. And so we think the more boundaries there are, the less freedom you have, but it's actually the opposite. The more boundaries you have and you apply, you actually know how to move forward in life when everything is completely open and there's no options, do you know how insecure you feel? There's no boundaries. It'd be like, let's drive on the freeway, let's get on the 210, and there's no lane markers, and there's no medians, and there's no sign. It's like, everyone just get to your destination. Would that freak you out? Yeah, because we just go wherever we want. So we think like freedom means no boundaries. Actually, freedom is God's put boundaries in place, and it gives you security. You know where to go. You know how to get there and God will help you. Don't buy the lie that everyone can just choose their own adventure and it'll all work out. It's not true. We just sang the song. He's the way, he's the truth, and the life. The verse goes on, no one comes to the Father except through me. That's it. It's Jesus. It's his word. The path is narrow, but through the narrow path, we have direction, we have clarity, and we know where we're headed. It's very counterintuitive. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres. Perseveres is when you continue to come back to God's word and let him speak to you. You continue to come back to God's word and let him speak to you. I don't know how many times in my life 
I sit down ready to read God's word and all of a sudden, every clarity of every to-do list I've ever had comes to light. It's like, oh, I gotta go to the store and I gotta email that person back. I forgot to email that person. And oh, I gotta check my phone and before you know it, I've wanted to read God's word and I've done everything but that. You ever had that happen? That's why you gotta be careful. Like, Put your phone somewhere else. Have a notepad that everything comes to mind, you can write it down so you can get to later. We don't want to naturally persevere in God's word. The enemy doesn't want us to persevere. But if you persevere and you keep coming back, God will continue to speak to you and it will give you freedom. And then the last part says, you will be blessed in his doing. That means your life will be blessed. That's freedom. We can all do whatever we want, but God has built a cause and effect universe. If you don't live God's word, you will experience the life that comes from that. If you do live God's word, you will experience the life that comes from that. So James is saying this is very important. The outcome of your life, the very things that you experience are gonna be tied to what you live out in your life. And then third, and this is continuing to challenge us. James calls us forward again. He says, let God and his word continually to rearrange our priorities. And this is verse 26 and 27. So now it's a lot to do with our heart, this attitude, the water, Humility that grows the seed of his word. Seeing the reflection and doing something with it. And then he talks about actually the outcome of our life. It says, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. You see that other word again? Deceives. Like this should actually cause us pause a little bit. Meaning so many times we think we're on the right track and we're not. For all of us could be so easily deceived that if anyone thinks he's religious. Now, Christianity in the scriptures is not called a religion. You don't see this, but what he's saying is if you consider yourself a moral person, that you, you're on the right track as long as you're good. And that's what he's saying. is like, as long as they're a good person, as long as they don't hurt anybody else. But then he's saying, listen, and you don't bridle your tongue, you're, you're deceived. Your, your religion is worthless. So again, the outcome in what you do. If you're learning about God's word, but your speech isn't different, what good is it? How much authority does it have? Our speech is every day. It's an impact. And then he goes on and describes the visiting of orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So how do you, how do you help people that, that are in need? How do you extend yourself and sacrifice for those who need help? And you see this just the priority of people and eternity and his mission and righteousness and justice is saying like, this is where God's word gets us to. And so our focus here on Ridgeview is always in how do we grow deep together by living this out? It's about doing. It's about living a different life. It's about how you live at home. And parents, I just wanna encourage you the greatest impact on your kid's life that will have the greatest impact on whether they decide God is real is gonna be on what you do at home, period. What they see. How they see husband and wife relate. How they see you make decisions. How they see the way you handle stress and anxiety. What you pray for, what you don't pray for. How you pray. What you do when bad things happen. What you do when you're stressed how you discipline them, 
what you do when you mess up, what you do when they mess up. Your kids will be watching. And what James is saying is, listen, it gets real when we live it out. And so our goal at Ridgeview is how do we help parents? How do we help each other so that we live this thing out? And God is gracious. God continues to teach us. We never stop learning. Every time I read God's word, I'm continuing to challenge where God just sometimes hits me upside of the head and says, Alex, you still don't get it. I know, God. <laughs> I don't. And then I feel like I got clarity. And then Monday hits, and I'm like, oh, man, I blew it again. And God is gracious. He continues to help. But the difference of the Christian life is not just what you learn, but, but what you do. And it will rearrange your priorities. If you want to get in God's word, it will begin to rearrange what's important. I don't know how many times I've read God's word and I've been just challenged by seeing something different. And my initial thing is like, oh, I don't really want to do that. If you have that question, that's actually a good sign. Because if you're wrestling with it, that means that you're actually allowing some things to happen when you wonder if your priorities should change. You may not change them yet, but it's good to wrestle with it. Even the, the priority of like coming to church, that's a wrestle. Like, do I come or not? One of the challenges for my life early on was what do I do with my money related to giving. God's word says like, you know, give 10%. Like tithe, like give 10% of what you get. And you read that and you're like, how do I get out of that? And then it goes beyond. Like then it's actually to be generous. And then you look at the generous people who've gone before us. It's like they gave above and beyond that. You're like, huh, what, how do I especially get out of that? God's word, it, it challenges us. It rearranges our priorities. And you know that the rearranging starts when you begin to ask questions like, what would it mean to, to align with this? What would it mean to, to do this differently in my own life? And we take baby steps and we, we have to grow. And again, there's grace. But I encourage you, wrestle with God's word. Read it and allow him to speak to you. And so as I close out, there's a, on the, your listening guide, if you open your program, there's always a listening guide each week, and there's a, the backside of the handout has some kind of practical application for you. This is based on the acrostic to pray. And the idea is, how do I get into a position where I can hear from God? And use this just as a resource for you. And it, the pray begins with praying, clearing your mind, pray through your day, give your concerns to God, ask God for insight. So I just encourage you, if you're new to following God or new to reading the scriptures, Start your day before you even get out of bed, before you grab your phone, before you check anything. Say, God, I surrender my day to you. I want to do it your way. Will you speak to me about how to handle my day? Will you speak to me about what I need to do differently? Just pray a prayer of surrender. That's the goal. Surrender. I give my heart to you. And then set yourself to do what he says. And then you read. So this is time with God. You pray, and then you want to get into the scriptures. If you have the Bible app on your phone, that's great. If you don't have a physical Bible, we have them in the back. I encourage you. Something about a physical Bible is really helpful because there is times, full confession, where I open the Bible app and before I know it, I'm not even on the Bible app anymore. And I'm like looking on Amazon, I'm ready to order something. And I don't know what happened from me reading the scripture to being on Amazon about to order something. That happens. It's like a vortex. So if you can read a physical Bible, 
it's a lot hard. You, you start to realize like, oh, my, you know, my eyes are no longer, you know, it's easier. So we have those back there. But read through a passage. If, you know, you could start in James where we are. Read James 1, eight verses. Read four verses. You could read the chapter. Start with 15 minutes. Like you could just spend time, 15 minutes with God. Pray, then you read, and then apply. This next part is so important. This is what James is talking about. How do I learn to do, to put it into action? And this is actually from Rick Warren's Bible study methods. This is a great resource. Um, Rick Warren was the pastor of Saddleback Church. He wrote The Purpose Driven Life. But he also wrote a book called Bible Study Methods, which gives you some ways to get into the scriptures for yourself. And the emphasis is on like application. So it's actually very helpful. But he came up with this, this acrostic, and it's called Space Patch, which is like the craziest acrostic of like, how can we find a word that fits in all the words I need to say? And you come up with Space Pets. But you will remember it. Is there a sin to confess, a promise to claim, an attitude to change, a command to obey, example to follow, a prayer to pray back to God, an error to avoid, a truth to believe, something to praise or thank God for? So you just begin to ask those questions. I'm reading the scripture. Has the scripture given me one of those things? You just ask one question. And then if you're not sure, maybe ask another question. And if you can, have a journal and begin to write some of these things down. God will speak to you. If you don't write it down, oftentimes you forget. But what you're facing in your pressure right now, God wants to speak to you specific lessons. And if you face a pressure in the future and you've journaled and recorded the lessons that you learned in this pressure, you now can draft off of what he's already taught you and that can encourage you. But sometimes it's just, it's in one ear and out the other. So consider that. And then the last is that this yield, God, I want to do what you say. Will you help me to do it today? God, I want to do what you say. Will you help me to do it today? Simple prayers. But God will hear you and he'll help you. This right here is one important step to begin to get God's word into your life with an emphasis on doing it and living it out. Here at Ridgeview, that's why we have next steps. We want to encourage you, based on what you've learned, how can you live it out? As you take that small step to do what he said, you will grow. And as you take that, false, that small step and God comes through, you're going to trust him to take another step. And you're going to trust him to take another step. And that's how your faith grows over time. And as God does this within our church, can you imagine what God will do through a group of people that are always hearing something and then figuring out and determining with God's help how to put it into action? Will we make a difference? Are we making a difference? Yes. Because we don't want to be a church that just knows a lot. We know a church that, that it knows the truth, it's transformed us, and we live it out. That will change our church and our community and our families and our relationships. And God can use this to change our city, to change our county, change our world. It's going to be through Christians who have the truth, the law that gives them freedom. That will make a difference in this world. So as I close out, I want to encourage you with a couple next steps as the band comes up. The first is just use this prayer acrostic, that resource on the back of your listening guide. Just begin. Like, maybe you've not done it before. It feels a little weird, but just kind of work through that and just ask God to speak to you. And then you may want to memorize a verse. Memorizing God's word is a great way for you to begin to chew on it. So James 1.22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. This emphasis on like, God, I want to apply. I want to do this. I want to do what you say. If you've never memorized a scripture, this one's a short one, James 1.22. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give one to you at the next step table. We'd love to do that. 
If you're not sure where to start, you don't know what to read, talk to us at the next step table. We'll help you figure out where to start. But I look forward in my own life, God, continue to speak to me. Change me from the inside out. And in your life, as he does that, he'll make a difference through our church. So I want to encourage you, as we enter this Thanksgiving season, we're going to spend time with family. As we enter the Christmas season, it's amazing how stress can grow. But let's make it a priority. Let's let God speak to us in this time. As he does that, I imagine he'll use us differently as we relate to all the people that we'll see in the next few weeks. So let's pray that back to God. God, we do need your word which transforms us and gives us the help to see things clearly. God, forgive us when we hear what you have to say and write it off or hear what you have to say but don't put it into practice. God, will you put just a burn in our heart to do what you say, to not just play games, but to live this out so it's real. Show us if there's other authorities in our life that are lessening the authority that you have through your word. Show us if there's things that we're leaning up against more than we're leaning up against your word. God, and thank you for your grace as you continue to show us the areas of our life to grow. Will you continue to make us just learners who are humble to be changed by you? Thank you for our church, the work that you're doing. We pray that we'll be faithful to live out your truth in our time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.